Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Mark chapter 5 is what we're going to be um, studying and going through today. And Mark chapter 5 records to me one of the greatest um, selections of the Bible for me of a woman who shows great desperation and also devotion to the Lord. And today I, I got a message I believe that's going to speak to a lot of people. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, I'm reading out of the message version, but they'll also have it on the screen. It says this, A woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years, a long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all of her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus. And this is what I believe the power of gathering in communities like this is, that just when you hear the message of Jesus, that hope can rise, that faith can rise, that strength can rise, just hearing about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus and she slipped in from behind and touched his robe for she thought to herself, if I can put even a finger on his robe, I can be made well. The moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up she could feel the change and she knew that her plague was over and done with. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy leaving his body and he turned to the crowd and he said, who touched my robe? And the disciples said, what are you talking about? There's a lot of people here, Jesus. What are you talking about? Many have touched you. But he went on asking and looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling and gave him the whole story. Say whole story. And Jesus said, daughter, you took a risk of faith and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed, and be healed of your plague. Here's what I believe, that no matter what you and I have walked in with, no matter how long you have carried the weight of things that you know, you don't have the strength to carry anymore, no matter how much you may have hidden on the inside. Here's what I know about Jesus, that he has a way of healing even the things that you have hidden. If you are willing to get devoted and desperate to reach for him, this is why we gather not just to go through a set of four songs and to hear a crazy white dude preach for 35 minutes, but for people who are willing to say, I want to reach for Jesus because if he is who he says he is, I want everything he has. I want to be healed. I want to be saved. I want to be set free. And that's what he has planned to do today. So let's pray. Jesus, we take these moments that we have in your presence to say we want nothing else than to experience you and have an encounter with you. And so we ask that for a moment, God, you would take down the walls in our hearts and our minds and that you would speak clearly to every person standing in this room. And Lord, we pray a special anointing and blessing upon the Sacramento King season about to start. It's very, very unlikely that anything changes, but if your grace touches it, miracles can come. And so we believe for the playoffs in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. I should have prayed against the warriors and for the kings, but we'll take it. All right, y'all. Hey, real quick before I get started, I'm not going to talk much on summer camp. You saw the videos. It was amazing. Sometimes we have to go through things in life to remember why we do it. Summer camp for me was a moment where I had a chance to reflect and go, that's why I do youth ministry, because even like Sunday mornings, there are people at youth camps that show up and they got that hard exterior on, you know, like, oh, I'm good, like, I'm here for the games, and I heard there's, like, my parents are going to be here, I can get a little wild, which it does happen. I had one kid that slept in the hallway by himself, and he chose this three nights in a row in Santa Cruz, and it was freezing. Um, 
teenagers are weird, you know? And so that's why I'm a youth pastor. I'm trying to, trying to work with that. And um, it wasn't until the end I looked back and I'm like, man, it was all the students that, that come in and, you know, I'm cool. Like, I'm just here. Like, I'm a cool cat. Like, I'm just here to hang for three days. That At the end of three days, after just like today, where they experience and encounter the living God, and they at the end are, are weeping at the altars, lifting their hands, praying for other students. And this is what I believe that the youth, and I say it all the time, is not the future of the church. It's right now. And that's why we're so busy as a, as a church saying generations is our goal. We're investing. We've got student leaders that I, I hope in two, three years will be the next youth pastor. Like, we've got amazing students. So real quick, I'm talking talking fast. I'm fasting and on coffee. Terrible, terrible thing. Um, can we give some love to all the youth students serving today around the house from the worship team to the parking lot to the coffee team? Love them so much. Um, I don't know when this began for me, but I love a good prank. Does anybody love pranks? Um, I'm a prankster. I'm a huge prankster. And when we got married, one of the first things I told my wife is I, I wouldn't, and you ask her about this is real. Um, I think the way that one of us was going to die was we were going to scare the other one and have a minor heart attack, which would then lead to us meeting Jesus. And I'm still convinced this is how I'm going to go. Um, but really early on in our marriage, I set the tone, right? So like you have to really on it, set the foundation. And so I would be home before she would, and I would like hide in the laundry room doors. Like I barely fit in there in the pantry doors. And she'd go to get a snack and I'd jump out and go, bah! And she'd like jump and like I mean, it was great. Like, I got tears sometimes, and that, that's a real sense of accomplishment is when the tears come. And um, I've always loved it. Now, if, if, if you've been on staff or you've even been around our staff for any amount of time, I've recently introduced this into the culture here at Project Church. We're making another blueprint for it, I think, about scaring people. Um, that was a lie. And I, I recently started doing this. I've got videos of me scaring Pastor Kayla, Pastor Chrissy, Michael. Um, and it's really amazing. I really should have given the footage. But I, I love pranking people. Um, and, you know, a couple years ago, probably five years ago, I had some friends that had dedicated their life to being missionaries. Um, and these people... Um, we're good friends at the time, and when the story ends, they were no longer good friends. They thought, hey, the last few weeks that we have here in the U.S., we're going to live really, really well. We're going to have a great time. We're going to just, you know, party it up. And I'm like, cool, I'm down for that. Now, they were Christians, and it was a Jesus Christ party, and we know those parties don't stop. So we're like, we're just going to go hard for two weeks. And the last couple of days they were there, they're like, hey, let's, let's do something crazy. I'm like, all right, I'm down for that. And he's like, we're, we're going to go scare some of our friends. I'm like, oh, always. I'm a prankster. I live for this stuff. And we show up to this house, and some of, it was our youth pastor's house actually at the time. And a uh, little, little background information, our youth pastor was um, also a correctional officer, big dude, scary-looking dude. You don't want to meet this guy in an empty hallway. Uh, it's just not the guy you want to run into. And so I show up, and right away I noticed that his, his car is gone and just the wife is there. And right through the front window at the time, I can see the wife and the kids all playing around, having a great time. He's like, hey, we're going to prank them. We're going to scare them like we're breaking into the house. And I'm like, okay, man, like, there's funny, and then there's crossing the line into insanity. Like, the husband's not there. Like, this is wrong. Like, this is going to end really badly. He's like, just watch this. And he runs up on the side of the house. I don't even have a chance to, like, get away. And he starts pounding on the house, running around the house. And I'm like, and I just hear chaos on the inside. Kids, they're really young at this point, screaming. I hear crying. Like, it's like, this is like, it's like Disneyland, right, when you can't get on the ride for hours. Like, it's chaos. And I'm like, this is a really bad idea. He's like, shh, and at this point, I'm guilty by association. Just being around these people, I'm guilty. So now at this point, they're like, hey, hey, watch this one. And they grab a chair. They throw it across the back deck, and it makes a loud crash noise. All of a sudden, I see the lights go dim in the house, and I'm like, we've gone too far. <laughs> 
They're calling the cops. I'm going to jail. You're crazy. Never come back from the third world country you're going to. I never want to see you again. You're nuts. And then I hear a shriek come out of the house that to this day still haunts me. And it's kind of like, you know, like when, when, you're, when you see a soccer mom, she's got a car full of kids and they're going to soccer practice, but they're running late and the mom's going really, really fast. Like you don't get in the way of those cars because they got those double drive-by doors. They pop those things back. It's bad on both sides. So you don't get in the way. And the screech that came out of this house was like the screech of a late soccer mom. She goes, stop, I've got a gun. And I'm like, I'm going to wet my pants right now. <laughs> you, you, you got what? <laughs> I got a gun. And I'm like, there's like a little dog crate. And I'm like crouched down behind the dog crate. And I'm like, I'm 19 years old. Like, I shouldn't be in a backyard that's dark. Somebody's got a gun. I didn't even do anything. I don't even like these people. I'd say that. I don't even like them. Get out of here. And I'm calling the husband nonstop, going to voicemail, going to voicemail, going to voicemail. I'm like, we're dead tonight. Like, this is it. This is how I'm going out. Hiding behind a dog kennel in the middle of the forest. This is how I'm going to go out. This is great. Not the way I wanted to go out, like I told you earlier. And I finally get a hold of the husband, and he calls her, and hours go by. We finally come in the house, and the kids still have tears going down their face. And I'm like, we're monsters. <laughs> we are monsters. You're monsters. I just with you. I actually don't like them. And we're sitting there and she said, you know, the funny thing was, is she said, I, I yelled out, I've got a gun and I'm not, and I'm willing to use it. And she's like, the funny thing was, is in the moment, I actually didn't even get the gun. I was so frazzled. I just picked up the closest thing next to me. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. What? You, like, I almost wet my pants and you didn't actually have a gun. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And the husband's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, hold on. You didn't, you didn't actually pull out a gun. So if somebody would have actually come into our house and you said you had a gun and you didn't have a gun, this is how it was going to go down. She's like, unfortunately, yes. I'm like, well, let's, let's not change the moral of the story here or what actually happened. It's not her fault. These guys are nuts. These guys are crazy. They broke into your house. I think we should do something to them. We should do something to them right now. But it made me think about this. That so many times in life, when the pressure of life is turned up for you and for me, that we're all reaching for something. And if you think about it in the context of your life, like when you're stressed out because the workloads are mounting up and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills and you're stressed and you go home and you think, well, it's just one more drink. Or you're getting a little bit of attention at work from the opposite sex, even though you're married, but now your marriage starts to feel like more of a job than a joy, and all of a sudden you want to give in to the temptation of the person who's giving you more of attention. And we're all reaching for something, and I think that the reality is this, that for all of us who are reaching for things in life, we know right when we're reaching if this is the thing that's going to help us, or if eventually this is the thing that's going to hurt us. And I think when we reach for the wrong things in life, the reality, just like that story, is we begin reaching for the wrong weapons that won't actually help us. That we reach for things thinking, I'm just trying to numb it for now. I'm just trying to get it through it for now. I'm just trying to get past this season. And the reality is, is when the battle is on, when things get difficult, and you look down, and all this time you've been picking up the wrong weapons, they're actually not going to help you. And in Mark chapter 5, I think this story relates just a little bit because a little bit of the context of Mark chapter 5 is before this woman ever shows up on the scene, there's a man named Jairus. Now, Jairus was a man who had status. They, his name was used in scripture when we see the woman, she was only known by her condition. Her name was never used, but Jairus is what? Jairus comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, my daughter's on her deathbed. Jesus, I need to come have you heal her. I need you now. So Jesus, on his way to go heal Jairus' daughter, a crowd becomes the, and envelops Jesus, and this woman comes through the crowd who should not be there. Her, her name is not there, and she has no social status. She is not an important person. And all of a sudden, the story begins to shift to the woman. And this, this whole story that I'm going to set up about the woman shows devotion 
and dedication, but it showed that she was willing to reach for something when she was desperate. She was willing to reach for something, and I don't know for you what you've walked in. I don't know what you've been reaching for. I don't know the things that you've been trying to hold on to. What I do know is this, that a lot of us reach out for things or our faith hinges on what God can do for us rather than who he already is. And I think this is a dangerous place of our faith where we cannot just rely on what he wants to do for us or what he will do for us, but on who he is. This woman shows up after 12 years of the same condition, 12 years of fighting the same problem. Most of the time, if I'm honest, I'm a youth pastor. I see it. Most people came and fight for 12 minutes without losing faith. She's going 12 years, and she shows up with, to Jesus thinking, maybe, just maybe, he can heal me. You know, the first thing that scripture that pops out to me says that she told Jesus the whole story. We saw that, that she reaches for Jesus. Jesus turns around and said, who, who just touched my robe? And, and, and if she responds this moment, people are going to know her situation. People are going to know her story. But he says, who, who just touched me? And it said that she fell on her knees and she told Jesus the whole story. Now, it's important that we understand why this is so important. This woman, Bible tells us, and as we were reading, it said that she had a condition of bleeding, hemorrhaging, meaning you were bleeding on the inside. Now, bleeding on the inside, this is something that if was our problem, we could all hide, just like a lot of us do if we're honest. We have our own problems, our own situations that a lot of people don't know about, and that we can hide them under the shirt, we can hide them under our life, and people still think you're good. People still think you got it all together. And she shows up in the Mosaic Law at this time would actually say that somebody that had her condition was an exile, meaning they kicked her out of society. She wasn't allowed to be in gatherings. She couldn't come to the functions. Like, she wasn't allowed to be a part of the party. She had to be outside. And she shows up on the scene, and she's not even supposed to be there. And it's funny to me that she was a social outcast because of what the Mosaic Law said. Like, she wasn't just an outcast because she had to be. She was also an outcast because she had to be socially. She couldn't get close to anybody. And I think this is what happens to you and to me when we live the way that we live now. Let me just give you a little context. Um, the first thing we do when we meet somebody is what? Hi, what is your name? They tell you their name. Cool, cool. What do you do for work? Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, what side of the political scheme are you on? Like, do you, you know, Republican, Democrat, like where are you at? And then, and then it's like, hey, where do you live? And then we start like de developing people like, oh, they're in Land Park. I got to be their friends, you know, but like, oh, you're, you're up there. I can't be your friend. And we begin to categorize and identify people based off things in their life, but not really who they are, don't we? Yeah. Whether we know it or not, this is what happens. But if we're really honest for a moment, this is what we do to ourselves. We identify ourselves off of our problems, off of where we live, off the things that we've been through. And for somebody in here, like you may have walked through a relationship that failed and you're like, this is gonna be the one I marry or you did marry and it resulted in divorce. And all of a sudden, because it failed, all of a sudden you think I am a failure. And we personify our problems. We put skin and bone on it. We think that's who I am. The person who like just can't get enough resources and finances together to support their family. All of a sudden you think I'm never gonna be able to be a provider. I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible mother. Because there's certain things in your life that aren't going the way that you had planned for them to go. And instead of just saying, it's a season, we begin to say, it's my story. Yeah. And what I want to tell you today, the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus reminds us, even like the worship songs that we're singing, that even if you are somewhere you don't want to be right now, that where you are is not your final destination. Jesus has a way to tell you you might be where you are. It might not want to, you might not want to be where you are. It might be difficult. It might be hard. But I see you where you are. I'm developing you where you are. And I've got good plans for you. And you have to go through the fire sometimes in order to see what I have for you. 
This is the good news. I think some people in here need to start praising God, saying, I might not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Some of you used to walk through addiction. You used to walk through sickness, and he's healed you, and he's carried you, and he's graced you, and you're not where you used to be. Somebody needs to give praise to God because you're not where you used to be. He has carried you the whole time. Recently, I had this conversation with, a, with a, somebody that's close to me, and, you know, they said, um, there's this room in the house where, and, and we do this, this is actually a physical thing, but a lot of us do this spiritually and emotionally. So I have this room in my house where I've got a box full of memories. I just can't gut getting through it. I, I can't open it. I can't deal with it right now. It's too much. So I put them all in a box, and I cover it up, I put it in the room, and I close the door, and I don't even go in that room. And most days, I forget it's even there. And this is like what millennials do. Like, yo, I'm in this boat right here. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you got friends coming over, and you're like, your house is a wreck. Like, y'all know what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, you're like, I got to stuff stuff under my bed. I'm putting stuff in the closet. And just like a bad teenager who's sweaty and smells terrible, they put Axe spray on, like it covers it up, and it smells worse than it did before. Just like you and I put a candle on in the house, we think it smells great. No, it doesn't. We still smell what was there before, and now it's worse. I do the same thing. And we try to make things look good by stuffing it under the bed, putting it in the closet, but the reality is this. It's still there, isn't it? And it might be hidden. You might not have to deal with it right now, but there will be a day when it has to be disclosed. It has to be opened, and what I want to tell you is God's love still loves you. God's love still comes after you, and it doesn't matter what you've had hidden. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with something that you've hidden. He still sees you, and he sees a son and a daughter. He still sees you and sees a good plan for you. He still sees you and is not reminded by what you've done or by what you've hidden, but what? by his plans for you. So even if you've hidden things, it can still be healed. And this is my plea this morning, that no matter what you've had hidden, God can still heal it. And I think today, the message title of Reach Out, it's all about this idea of just letting walls down, saying, God, come in. Because the reality is this, and we all know it, that just like this woman who was a social outcast because she had to be, it wasn't a choice for her. A lot of you have a choice, and you feel like a social outcast because you've made yourself that. Because you've got a lot of people around you like, yo, I throw some of the meanest parties. Heck of people show up. I got a lot of friends. If you see my Instagram follower account, it is wild. I got a lot of people. <laughs> but so few people really know who you are. So few people actually know the things that you've walked through. So few people actually don't know what to pray for you about. And my plea today is that we would reach out for Jesus. And in this season, that we would take the walls down and understand something. Hear me. When you take the walls down and you love anything greatly, you're devoted to anything greatly. There is also in the same opportunity, the opportunity to be hurt greatly. But a lot of us have tried to get into self-protection thinking that I'm gonna leave my walls up and I can get through and I'll be great. But in the end of the day, you're alone, you're isolated, nobody knows what you need and you struggle silently. So if we would be willing to let the walls down and say there is an opportunity to be hurt, but there's also an opportunity to be healed. There is an opportunity to be forsaken. Oh, but there's also an opportunity to be drawn close to. And I don't want to go through this whole life as a facade that I'm great when I'm really not. We need everybody in this journey. And this woman shows up on the scene hiding her condition. Now, hear me. I want to be very clear. She wasn't hiding her condition from Jesus. She was desperate for healing. But because she was on the outside for 12 years, nobody knew what she was dealing with. So she shows up to a place she should not be. 
Because Mosaic law said you're not allowed to be in gatherings, and yet, why is she in one? And I began to think about this because the Bible says that she had a condition of hemorrhaging, bleeding on the inside. So you could put a shirt on, you could walk into church, go to your workplace, go to another friend's party, show up in community group, whatever your regular rhythm looks like, and you can show up and you can mask also what's on the inside. She's bleeding on the inside. And for me, I was thinking about what this, this concept is for so many of us. And bleeding on the inside is when you go to bed every night and you lay there and you still blame yourself for the people who left you and hurt you. You think that you're the problem and you're bleeding on the inside. Or some of you have went through some very traumatic stuff in life. And all of a sudden, you have flashbacks that remind you of that pain. And when it happens, it's like you're bleeding on the inside. Or somebody in here, you failed time and time again, and you're starting to wonder, am I a failure? And you start to believe these lies about yourself, and it's almost like this woman, you start bleeding on the inside. But that's okay, because I can show up, and I can still look like I got the part. Y'all, we didn't need COVID to hide stuff. We do it all the time. And we were masking stuff, and this woman shows up, bleeding on the inside, yet desperate for change. As a youth pastor, I'm, I'm very aware um, that I don't fit the trends, okay? Like right now, I just got approval for some of my students before I got up here. I look good today, okay? They told me I look good. They said, you look trendy, you look good. Like that was my goal because honestly, for the last 10 years, I've worn the same thing. You'll find me in some skinny jeans that don't fit me anymore. You'll find me in an oversized t-shirt to cover up what doesn't fit me anymore. I got the shoes because I can't afford the nice shoes, so I get the knockoff shoes. And I, I've been wearing the same thing for the last 10 years. And I always have students reminding me that I'm getting a little bit older and I'm not fitting the trends anymore. I don't know why it is the way it is, but they say that trends resurface, if you've ever heard this, every 20 years. And I'm like, yo, like five years ago, everybody did not like Champion. Champion was trash at the time. And then there was New Balance and you got like the Monarchs and like all these ugly, hideous items that were only be able to be purchased at like a Goodwill and, and, and nobody really wanted them. That's why they were there. And all of a sudden now we've got people spending top dollar on New Balance and Champion. I don't get it. I don't. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait out for 20 years. I'm going to wear it when it's not cool anymore. And then I'm going to be cool in 20 years. So check me when I'm 47. <laughs> but this woman, I just peeped my age right there. This woman, she shows up thinking if I can just touch the robe of Jesus, I can get well. And in this moment, and she thinks, if I'm bold enough to actually reach out, if I'm bold enough to actually create a rhythm of finding Jesus, showing up where he is, getting in my community group, seeking him in scripture, worshiping, praying, whatever it might look like for you, if I am desperate enough to get around Jesus, she thought, I just gotta change the trends. Because the Bible says that for 12 years, this woman suffered the same thing. And for you and for me, when we decide not to change the trend, i.e., we're going to keep going back to the wrong relationships, the wrong community, doing the wrong things, going to substance, all the things that we're never supposed to do, the same problem is going to resurface time after time after time. And this woman thought, if I can just touch Jesus' robe. I haven't tried Jesus yet. What I've tried is physicians. What I've tried is spending my time and my money trying to get doctors to give me the right medications and procedures to get well, but none of it has worked. And she thought for a moment, but if I can get near Jesus and touch him, maybe I can change the trends of my life. And I believe that today the same is true for you and for me, that you can change the trend. You've been wondering, why am I in this vicious cycle of doing the same thing and I don't want to do it? Kind of like what Paul talks about in scripture. I do the thing I don't want to do and the thing I do want to do, I don't do. 
and you're in the same rut, in the same situation, and it's been years, and you're wondering, when am I gonna break free from the rut that I'm in? Can I tell you today, you can change the trend by starting new habits of reaching for Jesus in your daily life. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know that there's a lot of ways to reach for Jesus. And today, I can tell by scripture, just by getting desperate for a touch from him, your trends can change today. When you get, I love this, it says for 12 years, she went back to the same people, the same things, and never got well. It's almost like this idea that when you try to get better on your own, you'll actually get worse. Because how many people thought, man, if I just get in relationship with this person, then I'll have security. And you get in that relationship and it's like, yo, not what I thought it was gonna be. I don't have the security I thought I was gonna have. Where you're like, if I get this career, if I earn X amount of dollars, if I get this status in this job, then people are gonna see me and they're gonna approve of me. And then you get in it and you really don't even like the job, but people approve of you and you're like, this is not what I thought it was gonna be. And when you try to get better on your own, you actually get worse. And this is where the invitation comes from Jesus. I know you've tried it on your own. I know you've tried in every avenue on your own to find the success that you want, the joy that you want. But every time you follow the road, the road of joy, minus Jesus, you know it never results in joy. But if you choose the road of Jesus, the way that he wants to lead you, the plans that he's leading you and where he's gracing you, where he's guiding you, even if it's not what you thought it was gonna be, you know what you come to at the end of the day, purpose, joy, fulfillment, freedom, and you just gotta follow Jesus. And this woman shows up and thinks, I gotta choose something different. I'm gonna change the trend today. She begins to reach out for Jesus, and I love how this story ends. The woman says to herself, to nobody else, can I tell you what I love so much about Jesus? Is that so many times, basically based off of how everybody was raised, that the love, the approval, the acceptance that you are given is based off of your merit, what you do, how successful you are. And if you can do all those things, hey, we approve of you, we love you, we accept you. And we carry this thinking into our faith journey with Jesus, thinking if I have the right merit, if I do the right things, if I'm consistent enough, if I fast enough, if I do this enough, then he'll approve of me, he'll accept me, and he'll love me. But at the end of the day, this kind of following of Jesus is religion, it's not relationship, and it's tiring, and it's burdensome. And somebody today needs to be released from thinking, I haven't measured up to what God wants for my life. I haven't measured up to his love for me, I have not measured up to what he wants to do in me, and I'm always burdened because I feel like I'm just I'm not doing enough. You don't have to have the right merit or devotion. You just saying, Jesus, you're what I want is all he needs. And this woman shows up on the scene and there's a crowd of people around her with a lot worse diseases, a lot worse situations than hers. She's had it for 12 years. She could probably live another day with it. And there's people like Jairus who are like, my daughter is dying. And yet Jesus gets distracted by the woman over everybody else that's there. And I had to ask myself, why did Jesus get so distracted by the woman? And I think it's because she thought to herself, if I can just put my finger out and touch him, I can, give it, I can be made well. If I just put my finger out, I can touch him. If I just try a little bit today to say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. If I just pray one time today, maybe I could be made well. I played football in seventh grade. It was my first year in my second to last year. 
showed up and the coach is like, son, what position do you want to play? And I'm like, coach, I'm the star quarterback. I don't know who's out here to play quarterback, but I'm like Tom Brady 2.0, the next GOAT willing to be. He's like, all right, line up. Halfway through practice, he saw enough. and He goes, come here, son. I'm like, whoa, what's up, coach? You want me to take a, uh, just want to rest me till the regular season so I'm good to go? Is that what it is? He goes, what other positions were you interested in? And I'm like, uh, wide receiver. I'm, a, I'm also a stud wide receiver. Like, I can catch anything and everything thrown to me. I will score touchdowns. Like, people are going to be amazed at this talent. I'm not even five feet tall yet, probably not even 100 pounds soaking wet, but I'm a blazing glory out here on the football field. So, all right, line up. So I go out there and line up and... Last, it's the last game of the season. I asked him every game, first game, coach, can I go out there? Nope, not today. Second game, nope, not today. Third game, fourth game, fifth game, sixth game, seventh game, eighth game, final season of the game. Coach, come on, let me get one rep out there. He's like, all right, get out there. Fourth quarter, a minute left in the game. He said, we're gonna throw it to you. And I said, yeah, you are, watch this. We're already up by 40 points. This touchdown means absolutely nothing. <laughs> they hiked the ball. I run my out route, and I remember the coach's words coming to my mind about how you catch footballs the whole time and rise up. I catch the football, and I come down and score, and it's like, it's like I was in the NFL. I'm, like, signing autographs for people aren't there, and I'm going crazy, and they're like, yo, we're already up by 40. Like, this didn't matter. And my coach, we would have been the best team ever in middle school if you played me a receiver all year long. Like, this is on you. We didn't make the playoffs. It's your fault. I should have been out there. And I remembered the advice of running the out route about what he told me all year long, and anybody that's ever watched or even played football, you know this. Coaches will always tell you that if you can touch the ball, you can catch the ball. And this woman in Scripture thinks, if I can just touch his robe, I can be made well. And I think that this is the power of God for you and for me that says if you are willing to reach out, if you can touch him, you can catch it. If you can touch him, you can catch healing, you can catch hope, you can catch faith. Somebody needs this today that you can catch everything that you need if you are willing to say, God, I'm willing to put everything else on the line. Risk the reputation, risk what people think. I want to just reach out for you and I know that if I can touch you just a little bit, oh, everything can change in your life. Scripture says that the moment she did it, she could feel the change. The moment she touched the, the robe of Jesus, she could feel the change. Nothing else had changed. The situation hadn't yet for everybody around. Jesus had not identified who he had spoken to or touched. He just, she said, the moment I touched him, something, something felt different. Yeah. And it's like this idea that for even like what we do here on Sunday mornings, that many people get around Jesus. There was a crowd of people around him. Because at this point, you got to understand that Jesus was the local celebrity, all right? He's not just the son of God. He's the local celebrity because people are a little like, I don't know if I can trust this guy yet. And he's walking through towns, and you ever seen like a celebrity come through, like crowds get around them. But Jesus times a million, people are all around him thinking, maybe he can heal me. Maybe he can do something for my family. Maybe he can send like 5,000 loaves of bread right now. Like maybe he could do something crazy for me. And then a little girl who should not be there shows up on the scene, slips through the crowd and thinks to herself, if I touch him, if I just touch him, maybe, maybe I can get well. And I think this is, uh, you got to get this in your mind because there's this whole crowd around. And it, it makes me think about what we do, uh, even as church, if we're being honest. Many people get around Jesus, but few people actually reach out for him. Many people are willing to show up on a Sunday. Many people are willing to post scriptures on your bio, on Instagram, and share encouraging verses. 
Many people are willing to do that. It's popular. It's accepted. But it's not as popular, and very few people actually choose to start reaching for Jesus because what that looks like is not just showing up with your arms crossed and going, oh, what are we doing for lunch after this? Mr. Pickles again? All right. Like, that's getting through. But choosing to reach for Jesus is going, I'm not just going to show up on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to create rhythms of faith Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And he starts meeting you like he meets you on a Sunday, on a Wednesday afternoon. And all of a sudden, you're like the woman who had a little bit of faith and not much left that you reached for Jesus. And all of a sudden, your words are just like hers. And you're starting to say, something feels different in my life. Oh, man, I don't feel the way that I used to. Man, I really wanted to drive down the road and yell at that person because they flipped me off and they deserve it, but I love them. And it doesn't make sense. And you begin to talk different and think different and hear different. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait, hold on. Just reaching for Jesus outside of a Sunday and creating rhythms Monday through Saturday. I don't know what it was, but just something didn't feel like it used to feel. And this woman had a little bit of faith. And I don't know how much you've got today, but what I love about Jesus is you don't need much, a little bit of faith. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what you're pressing in for, but a little bit of faith. Jesus said a little bit of faith can move a mountain. Man, I think the power of the church on a Sunday morning is not bound up in our structure, in our celebration, but it is in when God moves and we look and say, I only had a little bit of faith. I didn't have a lot of strength. I was weak. I came up limping. I couldn't even get through Saturday to get to church, but I came with the little bit I had left. He moved mountains in my life. I don't feel the same. And that's this woman as she shows up to reach out for Jesus. And she took a risk. The Bible says that she took a risk of faith. And I'm closing here. I believe this. There's a reward of faith for those who are bold enough to reach for Jesus. And I know you're like, what does it even mean? It's like such an open concept, reaching for Jesus. It means that if you have not been reading your Bible, today, friends, is a really good day to start. Open it up. Start with the verse of the day. Get that in your spirit. It'll change your mind. It'll change your heart. It'll begin to transform and renew you. Maybe you have been listening to all the wrong things and the wrong voices. Maybe it means you turn on a worship song and you just start singing it. Family, listen to me. I'm a terrible singer. Ask anybody that knows me. But you'll be over at my house and the song will come on and all of a sudden I'm just like, man, I love Jesus and I can't, I can't thank him enough for what he's done for me. And all of a sudden these words come on and I'm like, I'm the canvas and the clay. And it sounds terrible, but it's just because I'm like, I've seen him do it before. I know he'll do it again. And I don't know today who needs to create a rhythm of following him, but today is a good day. Today's a great day to start reading, to start talking to him, and it will start feeling like it's not much, but day by day, friends, day by day, you'll start feeling the change just like this woman did. She took a risk. And other people in the scriptures, I'm closing here. I've got five seconds left. Other people in scriptures that have stood out to me that took a risk of faith, I think about... Um, Elisha, Elisha was a prophet and he's looking over the land and there's a drought in the land for seven years, excuse me, three years. And he goes, he's like, watch this, I'll pray on the mountaintop and God will send rain. And everybody's like, you're silly, it's not gonna happen. Like God's against us right now. And he prays and the first time nothing changes. 
Second time he prays, nothing changes. Third time, fourth time, he prays six times and nothing changes. I can imagine people are ridiculing him. People are like, you're done. Why would you believe this? Nothing's gonna change. This situation is what it is. He goes, watch this. Praise the seventh time, and all of a sudden, after all the doubt, Elisha stayed dedicated to prayer, and God sends rain on the earth for the first time in three years. I think about Job, who risked his faith, who lost everything he loved and cared for, and yet, after losing everything, he said, I'm still putting all my faith and all my hope in Jesus. And you know what happens? God gave him double than he had before. I think about Moses, who said, I'm not good enough. God can't use me. I've messed up too much. I don't sound right. I don't look good. And God said, if you will allow your insecurity not to rule you, but allow me to, and Moses led a revival in his time. I think that God rewards those today who are bold and say, I'm willing to take a risk. Come on, we can stand up. We can stand up. I'm gonna close here. I think today is the best day for you. I don't know over the landscape of this room what every story is, every situation is. It's impossible to know that. But what I know is this, that whether you're in the greatest season of your life, or maybe one of the most difficult seasons of your life. Nothing's too big and nothing's too small. And nothing that you've had hidden from God and other people will hinder his love for you. Romans 8, 28 tells us that nothing in the world can stop God's love for you. No height, no depth, nothing. Today, the only reason we gather, and we need to be reminded of the simple principle, and I'm done, I promise. The only reason we gather is because we're absolutely persuaded, not that God can just do miracles for us, not just that he can change us and make us good people. That's not what this is about. We're persuaded that God pursues us in our brokenness, in our failure, and it's his love that changes everything in our life. And if he loves us, then we're gonna keep walking through. If he loves us, we're gonna take a step-by-step every day. It's his love that will not fail us, that persuades us that he is who he says he is, and because he loves us, This is why we reach for Jesus, because he loves us and will not fail us. We're saying, God, I'm willing to go one more day following you, even if it's been hard. So here's my plea today. If you've built up walls on the inside and there's been things where you said, nobody's allowed in this space. Today is the day we take those walls down and say, God, only you, only you can heal, only you can save, only you can restore. And so I'm bringing every wall down and let your love change everything. Can you close your eyes all over the room? I wanna pray for some people. I got two requests. First, I wanna pray for those who have never given their life to Jesus or today you need to recommit your life to him and you need to be persuaded that he's got a good plan for you, that no matter the broken pieces and the fragments of your life, that he can still put them together and he can still shine through you and there is still greater days ahead. If you need that today, if you say, I wanna put all my faith and all my hope in Jesus, could you lift up your hands boldly all over the room? Come on, keep them up there. I know it's awkward. That's how I do it. But we want everybody to see this is a declaration. Jesus, every hand lifted in this place is a declaration that we cannot do this on our own, but we need you. And so, Jesus, we thank you that even though we failed, even though we've walked through some stuff, even though we've wanted to turn our back, today's the day we're saying we're putting our foot to the ground and saying we choose you because you saw us where we were but did not leave us there. So you went to the cross, died, buried, but you were resurrected to say there's life, there's promises that are yes and amen, and that the best is still ahead. So we put our faith and our hope in you today. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Secondly, listen, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. 
And I wanna ask this, that if you've built up any walls in your life, if there's been any hesitation to say, God, I'm letting you back in. I wanna let people around me know who I really am. Today is your day for him to meet you in a radical way that can shift everything. It could be like what the woman said. I think if I can just get a finger on Jesus, if I can just reach a little bit, and reaching today can look like simply responding to prayer. If you could do that today, just reaching for him, I believe this, that you could be made well, that you could be healed, that you could be set free, that you could find hope and joy again. Today is the day that the Lord has made. I'm not waiting till Monday. Today's the day. So this is your chance right now. I want you to respond and come up for prayer, but let me pray as, we, as they start singing. God, thank you so much that you meet us, that you love us, and that no matter how long we've held on and harbored and we've stayed alone, God, you meet us where we are and you can change everything. And so we give this to you and we ask you, meet us, change us, restore us, redeem us. In Jesus' name, could you say amen? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.